How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin, and good morning to everybody, or good night to <laughs> everybody that's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter. You might also be hearing us on Spotify or any other podcast service. So if you are hearing us on that and you want to see us live, you can see us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter. We do have a text line. In case you have any disagreements or you want to just chat with us, it's going to be 833-262-6431 if you have mm -hmm. any disagreements. Again, and, uh, that is eight. Go ahead. Sorry. And especially if you have any prayers, anything you want us to be thinking about, talking about. Uh, we especially love any questions that you might have, so please text us if you have any of those. We, uh, we really like taking uh, questions and comments from you guys. That's... You know, you're part of the dialogue too, okay? <laughs> so, 833-262-6431 if you want to text us and have a little chat. All right, and we also have a giveaway that we're going to be doing with a shirt. We're going to be moving to a drop kick or a drop shipping service um, for the Apostles Attic t-shirt giveaway. Um, so, yeah, if you want to enter into that giveaway, just subscribe and comment on our YouTube channel or any one of our other channels, I would prefer that it be YouTube or, yeah, just YouTube. And um, and you can choose a design. Uh, we'll get we'll get those out to you uh, if you are interested in that. Um, so yeah, my name is Austin, and I'm here on Faithful Dialogues with my buddy Ryan. Hi, my name is Ryan, and uh, I'm here. I do some personal stuff over at AIIW.org. Uh, you can check my stuff out. It's called As It Is Written on all the major social medias out there. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Had some uh, interesting videos this week, I guess. People were taking a look at them. So we'll uh, get to see some of those here in a little bit. All right. So I want to get started with the gospel message. And that is that God has done something for our sin. And just first and foremost, God absolutely loves you and he cares about you so much. And if you are seeking forgiveness or, or just a new start, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. And basically what I want to say is the gospel or the good news is that God has stepped down into his creation through the person of Jesus Christ and has willingly laid down his perfect life. He was born of the Virgin Mary and he was without sin, lived the perfect life on our behalf because he knew that we couldn't and laid his life down on a Roman cross willingly so that his blood would be a sacrifice for us. And he died for our sin. He was buried for three days and then afterwards was raised to life by the Father on the third day. And essentially what that means is if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you will have eternal life. John 3.16 is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe shall not perish but have eternal life. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, and I would encourage you to read the, the, the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what kicks off the New Testament. That's a testimony of Jesus' life and ministry while he was here on earth. And if you are convicted that that is the truth and you believe and you put your faith and trust in that, then you will not have, you will not, go, to put it simply, 
you won't be going to hell. You will be going to heaven. You won't be in the absence of God. You'll be in the presence of God and your eternal soul will spend its eternity with God in heaven. So if that was something that you're concerned about getting right with God or going to heaven and seeing your loved ones, then I would encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then Ryan also has a, a, a message for us as well. Yeah, something that I'm super passionate about is getting out and spreading the gospel message uh, however you can. So Austin and I have decided to uh, do that here tonight on this podcast, and I do a lot of stuff uh, online. But uh, however God's given you to go out and spread the gospel, I just I pray that you guys uh, are emboldened to go do that uh, through our faithful dialogues. So uh, yeah, just a quick reminder that every Christian, once you become a Christian, you are a king. But also, very importantly, you are a priest of God the Father. And so that gives us a lot of responsibilities, biggest of which I think is to go out and to make more Christians. So, Absolutely. And so we're going to do a little bit, something a little bit differently this time. We're actually going to start our stream off with our Bible reading. Um, previously on our episodes that we were doing it towards the end and doing a little bit of content in the beginning, but we're going to kind of flip that. So we are going to be doing a proverb reading followed by a John 5 is where we are going to be um, starting off again. Mm -hmm. And so, Ryan, did you, we are at, uh, we're starting off at 4-1. So yep. did so you want to read that or did you want me to read? I got it. And uh, we're using the ESV translation for those of you who care about those things. Uh, so I'll get started. We're reading the first nine uh, verses of Proverbs, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we're done. So uh, Proverbs uh, 4, uh, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, and do not forsake my teaching. Uh, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your, hand, on your head a grateful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. And so uh, that's the end of the reading. Uh, that was chapter 4, verse 1 through 9, and it's all about gaining and attaining wisdom. And so in other places in Proverbs, it says that the beginning of wisdom is uh, what, Austin? Fear of the Lord. Amen. And so... Uh, so what does that mean? Yeah, well, what the fear of the Lord, I believe, means, and, and I may not get this 100% right, there's probably a lot of aspects to properly having fear of God, but basically, he's the creator of the universe. He, he created me with a specific purpose to do certain things. And I have taken that purpose, that, that creation, that act that he did, and I've thrown it in the trash. I've run it through the mud. I've made it as completely dirty and gross and disgusting as I possibly could. And I did that to someone who can just completely unmake me, like, just cause me the most possible amount of, you know, pain and suffering anybody could even imagine. Yet, and yet I deserve that. He, despite that, came down, gave his only son to die an even dirtier, disgusting death of a thief on a cross. 
and uh, you know, we should just be in awe of, you know, we should be fearful of that God that could completely destroy us, but also understand that in his love and, and in his mercy, he decided to, to care about us and to, and to love us still. It's, it's just that it's just so incredible. So like I said, the beginning of the beginning with fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, yeah, so we need to properly put God in his place. And if he's in his place properly, then we will fear him properly, I believe. Yeah. And so I've heard people uh, almost talk about it like uh, in a fearful way, but I think it almost comes down to like a respect way. So like you almost want to look at God as the creator of the universe who has absolute sovereignty and can control absolutely every aspect of your life. And if he can give you life, he can also take it away. And so that person that would step into his creation and die for you while you were still a sinner, you should look at him as somebody to respect and somebody to obey. So I basically look at God as someone that loved me so much that in return, I'm going to love him back and I'm going to respect the things that he says. You know, it says in the Bible, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I definitely think that we should love God with all of our hearts, minds, and soul and strength, and then apply that to our lives by reading the Bible, his word, and then basically obeying that because everything that God says to do is a blessing and everything that God says not to do is a blessing. And you also brought up the thief on the cross. So the thief on the cross, basically what I wanted to bring up was that he didn't do anything other than recognize Jesus as the Messiah and somebody who had control over resurrection, right? He said, when you uh, remember me when you come into my kingdom. So a lot of different denominations might emphasize works or different things that we should do. But ultimately, I think it comes down to recognizing Jesus as the one that God would send and having faith that God would send um, a suffering savior. Because in the Old Testament, that was his plan to send yep. a suffering savior, right? And so uh, when he is on that cross, he recognizes that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. And he says, you know, remember me when you come into to my kingdom. So I think we should revere God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength as the person that can control our destiny and does control our destiny and read his word and then abide by his word and basically just respect what he says enough to to receive that life and life more abundantly, you know. Amen. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to move on to John now. John, yes, and then we finished John 4 last time we read, so we're going to be on John 5 at the very beginning. Okay, and just before we get started there, uh, tonight uh, I believe that I've set it up properly so that we can see uh, different comments in a few of the different streaming services, so if you're watching live right now, send us a comment in the chat to help us see if it's working, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. should show up on the stream as well. Oh. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm sitting here right now, and uh, I will respond. We will both respond to your um, your comments, and we would love to have engagement with you guys. If you have any comments, we would cover it immediately right here on the show. Absolutely, and uh, we really want to get you guys engaged and being part of the show. So that's that's my goal, and I'm pretty sure it's Austin's as well. All right, so we'll jump right on into it. Did you want to read uh, chapter five here? Yeah. Um, where should we, um, do you, uh, so there's you... a, I kind of want to, let's go all the way to like 29. Oh, wow. You want to do all the way. Okay. 
that's like two thirds of it. Yeah. So <laughs> what I'm seeing here in one of the the things is that Jesus is equal to God. So I wanted to I wanted to oh, read okay. that too. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's so here get we go. All right. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In this and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to that man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. And he answered them, The man who healed me, that man, said to me, Take up your bed and walk. That They asked him, Who is the man that said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. That man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father, does, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. Okay. So, for as, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. So that's important. That's kind of like mm -hmm. the gospel right there. He yep. does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now he is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And that is going to be our Bible reading for this time. And so Amen. there's a couple things, Ryan, that I wanted to bring up. So one of the things is that he was referring to people as the dead. What does that kind of mean? 
Yeah, so uh, if you want to figure out where that is specifically and read it for me while, while I answer. Uh, so the, the dead generally, uh, uh, when it's talking about us, is that we are dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sin towards God. Our hearts are stone. And so we are described as if we are dead uh, if we do not have Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you, you have accepted him as your master, as your Lord and Savior... You profess that from with your mouth, and you believe that he rose from the dead in your heart. Uh, if you believe those things, then you get added to the book of life, and you gain life, eternal life, right? So people are dead without Jesus. With Jesus, they have eternal life and will go and enter into eternity as a son of God, a Benaiha Elohim. Uh, that, uh, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word that means a direct creation of God. We've been remade by God. So in John 5:24 that we just read, it says, "Truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life." So is that kind of what you were saying? Exactly. So whoever hears Jesus' word, which we spread whenever we share the gospel, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. They, that who sent me has eternal life. So they, if they believe, uh, the one who sent him, and he has, and you have eternal life. So it's a beautiful transaction right there. It costs us absolutely nothing. No amount of good works that you could do to earn your salvation. It can only be a completely free gift from Jesus to you, where your guilt gets transferred on over to him. So one of the things last time that we were on the podcast, we were reading from James, and we were kind of reading from a Christianity Today thing, and or an article, and basically we were talking about works, and one of the things that God says in His Word is that your your works are basically likened to filthy rags, mm -hmm. and there's different translations that even make it worse, but basically so one of the... It's, act, it's actually the translations that make it less harsh. So it, in reality, when uh, it's the Bible translates filthy rags in that verse, it's talking about dirty menstrual cloths. So it's like a dirty tampon. Oof. Oof. So yeah, yeah basically Which, God is saying <laughs> the good works that you do are likened to filthy feminine rags. Mm -hmm. But go ahead, what, 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 what were you going to say? Well, and, and that's gross to us, but it was... In addition to being gross, it was also very unclean to the Jews. So a woman on her period couldn't enter into the temple uh, for a certain number of days. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they were considered unclean. And so okay. their, the blood from that process would have been considered doubly extra unclean, even more so than normal blood. Because normal blood is fairly unclean, but that blood is seriously defiled as far as they were concerned. So, obviously, John... again, sorry, I just want to say, not anything against women. We love women. Women are awesome. He's married to a woman. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that women, are un that women are unclean or of any less value in God's eyes. That was just a, a practice that was given to God, uh, to the Jews. But in that context, when it's saying that our best, our goodness is equal to the worst that the Jews had to offer, that's kind of the comparison that's being made. Right, and so the good works that are pleasing to God was what the Son did. And so, like, when Jesus died on the cross, cross, his good works and righteousness were attributed to us 
if we believe in him and our sin and our bad works that we've done and our rebellion was attributed to him, correct? Correct, exactly. Okay, and so on John 5.27, another thing I want to bring up is it says, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do you have any insight onto what that kind of means, the son of man? I think that was referenced in Daniel. And he says, like, uh, did, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was kind of saying, like, didn't I bind three men? And he's like, yes, king. And then he's like, so then why is there one that looks like the son of man? Is it, so do you have any kind of like, why is he bringing up or referencing him as the son of man? What does that mean? Yeah, so uh, the Son of Man is a title that's used of Jesus a number of times, and it's a title that you'll find, I believe, in the Old Testament as well. And so when he's calling himself the Son of Man, that's one of his official titles, and you should know that he's talking about a character that fulfills certain things uh, from the Old Testament. So there is this Son of Man that pops up in your Old Testament reading. When you read the Son of Man in the Old Testament, you should then, when you come across this uh, chapter in the Gospels, you should link that back to all of those references to the Son of Man. And so one uh, of the things that we, we don't understand as, as modern-day Americans is the level of Bible literacy that the people had that he was talking to. So the, the Jews took the Bible so incredibly seriously that they actually sent their kids to school to memorize the Torah from a very young age. And so every single Jew, to a certain extent, has some amount of training in Torah. And then there's certain Jews that go on to secondary and even kind of tertiary schools to learn even more and more about the Torah, and they memorize more and more of the scriptures. So there's a good number of these people that may have the entire uh, Genesis through uh, you know, uh, Deuteronomy memorized by heart. And so when he says... Wow, that's the a son lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, memory was a much different thing back then. So they didn't have written books the way we have today. They had scrolls. That was the most convenient form of writing that they had. But most people didn't have a scroll. Okay. If you, especially not a scroll of the Torah, the only places you would find scrolls of the Torah would have been in the, uh, the actual, um, uh, temp light, not temples, the, uh, synagogues. So there, there would be like one per local area, and so everyone would learn would be would be learning to memorize that in a corporate setting. So today they're all in class, all thirty or whatever, however many kids, they're all repeating the same paragraphs until they have it memorized, and it's just a much more important skill back then because they didn't have ways of writing things down and remembering them into the future. Like that's a technology. Writing was a technology that they had not unlocked. These people didn't know how to do it. They didn't have a medium that was easily available to write things down on. It's it, so, like, it, you, we Man. can't fathom how much harder life was even 100, 200 years ago, right? Like, even 200 years ago, most people in the world would have been illiterate. Most people in the world wouldn't have had enough money to buy a pad of paper and a pencil to write something down on it. Can, can you imagine like somebody reading all like, a, like an extensive version or extensive passage from Genesis 
and they, were they I, I would imagine they were expected to memorize based on um, an oral presentation correct or are they supposed to like read the scroll that's yeah, in their so, local thing uh, I'm not even going to get into the mechanics of how they would have memorized but they would not have all individually had access to the written words nor would they have even known necessarily how to read them were they given access to it they were oh, more okay. likely than other cultures. I believe the literacy rates among the Jews were very high, but it still wasn't 100%, and it probably was somewhere lower than 50% of people who could actually go up and read out of the Torah. I, I could be completely sense. wrong about that, so please, please check me on that. Uh, I, I haven't looked at the actual literacy rates for ancient Canaan, <laughs> you know, specifically, yeah. so... But I would imagine very, very low, but probably higher than most other cultures, actually, just because of the value they placed on the Torah and in transcribing it faithfully from generation to generation. They just would have had more scribes than other cultures like the Chinese or the Romans per capita. Okay. Oh. All right. And so one thing that I, I kind of wondered is... Um, so in John five nineteen it says, tr uh, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise or also does. So when I look, when I imagine the father, I imagine something outside of our universe controlling everything that's within. And so when Jesus is doing something like what I'm just help me understand this. Like, so do you kind of have any idea of what, what the father is doing? Cause I feel like he's outside of everything else and everything else is inside, but are the angels with the father? Like, so, I, uh, yeah, there, there's different answers to that. The, the easiest answer is that in order to create the universe, God has to be complete in and of himself outside of it. So, God is the only thing that exists outside of the universe and without the necessity of the universe. Okay? So that's number one. He, he exists in a place that we could not possibly come... Uh, we could not possibly even think about how we could reach him. Okay? He is unreachable to us. He is outside of creation. So that's first off. Second off, there are places where he is more and and I guess less there. So we are not taught that God is the universe. We are not inside of God. This isn't God's brain. There's a lot of people that are saying those kind of like new agey type things today. Yeah. Uh, actually, on one of the clips I was thinking about sh uh, sharing, uh, Joe Rogan was talking about how, actually, uh, in the Joe Rogan clip, the seven-minute one, he, he talks about that. So we'll get into that, that like in a little bit. Is that like the jogger where if somebody does some drugs and like asks him like asks the while they're on the drugs like who what what is God who is God and he talks about like I think I've seen something like this where it's like he no. gets his vision of a jogger and that like everybody's inside of God or something like that. Yeah, I'm not specifically aware of what you're talking about. I uh, that's not in this clip, but well, you'll see later. But okay. The, the, the basic answer is that what Christians believe in the reality is that God exists entirely separate from his creation, okay? And so, you know, when he chooses to reveal himself, he, he does so in different ways. He is more revealed in the highest heavens 
than he is here on Earth right now. Does that make sense? Even though he has the power to interact with and do whatever he wants at any moment in time that he wants, he's chosen to kind of not reveal himself as directly so that we are capable of making a choice, okay? And the, the reason why that's so important is if God was in front of you and you could experience him and interact with him like I'm talking to you right now, then there isn't a choice to be made, okay? If, he, if we're directly interacting with God the way that I'm talking with you, then I'm on my face, I'm worshiping him, even if I'm the most corrupt, horrible sinner in, in, the, in the universe. There is no other choice that you have but to accept and acknowledge him when he's in your presence. Because he's right there in front of your face, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so in order for us to have the ability to choose him, we must not fully comprehend who he is and be able to see him. Does that make sense? To a certain extent yeah it kind of seems like it's uh, it, it comes down to more of an act of faith at that point well yeah and so we need to be able to have faith in him which is how we show our love towards him he showed his love towards us in that while we are yet sinners he sent his son down to die for us and so that that is the picture of what true love is is overlooking the sins of the other person but not being able to overlook the just ramifications of their actions so, like, not that this has happened or I would want this to happen, but if your wife were to come and have committed murder, you're called to still love her and forgive her for that, but she still needs to face the legal ramifications here on Earth for that action. And so uh, God took away the, uh, the eternal consequences of our actions by sending his son down to die on the cross, but that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, commit murder and still go to jail, right? So, okay. Sorry if that muddied things a little bit, but <laughs> again, if you have any questions or any comments, please, please ask. Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to rectify any any misstatements I make. No, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. And then, um, basically, um, when we have faith in God, it seems like we go from a state of spiritual death to a state to a state of spiritual life, and um, you know what I mean? Like, do not marvel at this. This is John five twenty eight. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And, and then 29, and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So it, is that specifically speaking of the actually dead people? Sorry, can you uh, state that one more time? I'm, I was uh, checking something. Sorry about that. All right, so John 5.28, I know like when he's calling us out of a state of spiritual death to a state of spiritual life, and so spiritual death would be the rejection or unbelief of Jesus, and spiritual life would be the acceptance um, of Jesus. So when he's saying in John 5.28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment— is he talking about the actual dead here? So, uh, that's more complicated than you might think. So, with the Jewish idea of prophecy, it is not the same as the Greek idea of prophecy. And so, with a Greek prophecy, you would expect that it, whatever is prophesied, that's exactly what's going to happen one time, sometime in the future. Okay, so... This isn't right. I'm not advocating anyone do this, but if I were to prophesy in a Greek way, 
Austin's going to win a million dollars tomorrow, it either is something that will or won't happen tomorrow. Okay, does that make sense, Austin? Yeah. All right, so that's kind of a Greek, and then we get that passed down to us through their intellectual tradition, kind of an American way of thinking about prophecy. With the Hebrews, prophecy is something that can kind of repeat a couple times. Okay? So there's, uh, in this passage, it is both talking about the literal dead of that day, and it's talking about everyone who is dead coming back to life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Is that, does, so, and what I mean by that is there is an hour coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Can you think of a time when, the, when people were in tombs and came out? Um, Lazarus is going to be my okay, easy that would be <laughs> that'd be the that'd be the first kind of pre-shock. There's another time when people come out of tombs in the Bible. Are you aware of this? Oh, you showed me this while we were in Devoted, mm -hmm. and that's when Jesus was on the cross and he was crucified, and that like almost like zombies or like <laughs> people came out of the grave when he was crucified. Correct. I think that's in Matthew's gospel. I... I believe it's in Matthew as well. And so there is a time that literally happened already in the past where literal people came back to life and came back from the dead. Okay. And so I believe that was kind of a, another pre-shock for the ultimate resurrection of the dead at the end of a turn at the end of, you know, uh, at the end of, of revelation. Right. So that, that's what I believe uh, is happening there uh, with that. So, uh, okay. But yeah. So, all right. Let's. So we covered that pretty well. Um, let's see what we have now. So we've covered John and we've covered Proverbs, and so let's. Do you want to roll right into our uh, PJI? Uh, yeah, we can do PJI. Uh, do you want to read it? Or do you want me to? Um, I kind of stumble a little bit with reading. I'll I'll read <laughs> okay. here and there when it comes to reading, but you're better at reading than me. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. So, I'll read this one. It's coming out of Salem, Oregon, and it says uh, the the tagline is PJI to Oregon Court of Appeals. Christian teachings aren't dangerous to foster kids. So that's a beautiful headline, and let's see what happens here in the article. In denying Sean and Teresa Kellum a foster care license because their sincerely religious beliefs, uh, they meant to say sincerely held, there's a little bit of a typo there, uh, license because their sincerely held religious beliefs prevent them from affirming homosexuality and transgenderism, Oregon's Department of Human Services, DHS, essentially declared Christian teachings dangerous to foster kids. Unwilling to take DHS ruling lying down, the Christian married couple from Glide, Oregon, sought assistance from the Pacific Justice Institute, where we're getting this article from, which appealed the Department of Homeland Security, or sorry, the Department of Human Services ruling on their behalf. PJI recently filed its opening brief in the Kellum's case before the Oregon Court of Appeals. DHS action blatantly suggests, and here's what the appeal said. DHS action blatantly suggests that Kellum's free exercise of religion does not apply to foster care youth, and it is unquestionably an attack on Christianity, said PJI Oregon staff attorney Ray D. Hack. The Supreme Court has made it abundantly clear multiple times in the past several years that the First Amendment prohibits government agencies from, 
from proceeding in a manner intolerant toward the Christian faith. PJI President Brad Dacus said Kellum's case has implications not just for foster parents, but for parents actively raising their biological or adopted children in accordance with their faith. If states like Oregon can effectively declare that certain religious beliefs concerning gender and sexuality are dangerous to kids, then every parent in this country who declines to provide LGBT plus affirming care to their, ch their children stands to have their children ripped from their homes and face long, expensive, possibly futile court battles to get them back unless they abandon their faith's teachings. Dacus said, that doesn't just show hostility to religion, it denies kids the care of loving adults who can give them the love, guidance, and stability they desperately need. Religious individuals like the Kellums have long stepped up to provide such care to kids whose biological parents couldn't care for them. PJI is fighting this battle to ensure that loving couples like the Kellums can continue to do so in a manner consistent with their faith. Okay, so that last paragraph I think is just kind of them saying they've yeah. been doing it for 25 years, blah, blah, blah. So uh this is an incredibly great case um you know uh yeah it's crazy that we are at the point where uh we have to have these kinds of things uh but it looks like this case is still uh it's before the court of or oregon court of appeals correct yeah <clears throat> what i don't get is why it's absolutely okay for one worldview to be presented and one type of information be presented but not another so like if how we're, we're just stepping outside of a, a weird realm here so it's totally okay and natural for lgbt stuff or you know whatever that stuff is to be accepted and affirmed but we can't accept or affirm anything that's christian so we're, we're going into like a, a weird realm here and ultimately our christian faith is just that it's faith so if the kids want to reject it that's their choice but we're, we're telling p parents and foster parents that if they want to teach their kids christianity or bible things that that's basically wrong and we can't do that and you're going to have your license ripped from them it's totally that's crazy to me because like i don't think they would do this to any other like faith or religion or anything like that well, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it's it's even more insidious than that. So there's that level that's completely correct that you're talking about, but the another level of this is what's always the retort of people who are pro-abortion. So I say that I'm against abortion. I think we should abolish it, and they always say, "So how many kids have you adopted?" And now these same people that retort with how many kids have you adopted are trying to block Christians from being able to adopt kids, and so. It, it, it's a, it's a it, it's part of that cycle. It's part of that whole argument to say that you know because right now I know a number of Christians who are 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 begging and, and fighting, paying tens of thousands of dollars to go and adopt children. It is an incredibly difficult process, partially because of the lawsuits that you might be might face as a as a parent from the state, from crazy third parties that catch wind of different stuff. You know, but it's also just expensive to go through the legal process in general. The legal process of fostering and then adopting children is not free. It should be something that's basically government subsidized because it's saving the government money, but it is a process that costs the parents tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know why it costs money for all that stuff? I'm a little bit, un I'm, I'm very uneducated on how the adoption process works, like, yeah, why, I, so why can't you just sign papers and that's your kid now? Uh, 
there, because there is so the the problem is that it's really complicated. So adopting an infant very easy as long as the mother gives up all the rights and signs all the right paperwork over as an infant very easy quick process that's now the adopted parent's kid the biological mother still has a few rights in that situation but a lot fewer rights than uh, the situation where the the kids are in foster care generally when kids go to foster care it's because the court has mandated it right so these kids either both parents died and there's no one else to take care of them the parents are drug addicts that can't you know properly take care of them and so they go through that whole process and so the kids were with parents that were on drugs for a few years they finally get taken away from those parents that are on drugs and not properly able to take care of them then they get put into foster care now they get put into a foster care family right so they're in the foster care family well, in that year or two where the, the kids got placed with that foster care family, and now they've been with that foster care family for a couple of years, well, in that three or four years, the biological parents uh, get their life in order, and they claim that they're not doing drugs anymore, and they're now capable of taking care of the child, and so they're going to start fighting to get their child back. And so now the foster parents have the kid, and they think that they're the ones that are legally best able to take care of them, but these parents who previously couldn't handle children and let them get into all kinds of trouble and they ultimately had to get taken away are now claiming that they're in a better place. So what do you do as the court? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, that's, that's, that's a pretty hard situation. Like, right. I don't even and, know. Like, and so, so now the foster parents need to have lawyers claiming that the biological parents are dirt bags and then the parents that were dirt bags enough that they got their kids taken away now they're claiming that they're not dirtbags anymore, and so how do you prove that? And technically, you know, I think we should be on the side of trying to get them back with their biological parents, but, right, like, there's just so much craziness. It, it, it is the least simple process on the entire planet. And so that that's where a lot of these abortion arguments come into play, and, the, you know, this the system's so horrible, and there's so many kids that are getting left behind and, and just completely ruined by this system that they then claim that abortion now makes sense and is justified morally which couldn't be farther from the truth because these kids were the kids that weren't aborted <laughs> okay like the problem with the, with the foster care kid has nothing to do with abortion these kids all exist no matter what if we had more infants to be adopted then all of those infants would get taken like like i've said a few times on this program the uh you know the kids I literally know people who back in the 90s went to China to go adopt an infant because you could not find an infant to adopt here. They literally didn't exist. So. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I'm really thankful for people that would actually go out of their way to someone, just somewhere even like China to adopt a child because mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. We actually really want children, especially when women or fathers aren't able to have children they still want to be a, a a mother or a father to a child and so it's there'd be man if if there wasn't such a heightened uh, push for abortion there wouldn't be this i feel like this issue going on you know what i mean to a certain extent i mean there's always going to be kids that need to be adopted there's always going to be kids that that go into the foster care system Th- those are going to be problems regardless of abortion 
uh, abortion, the problem is it just doesn't actually solve anything. It just makes us all murderers. So, yeah, yeah, it's, but yeah, so back to this, back to the bill that we were talking about, uh, you know, I, I really hope that the Oregon Court of Appeals rules the right way. It doesn't sound like they have yet. I, I mis- kind of misread things when I was originally reading it. Um, but, uh, you know, legally, I feel like they, they absolutely should be, be ruled in favor of their case because, you know, ultimately the law of the land is the First Amendment, you know. So, there, uh, you know, you have a right to your religious beliefs. You have a right to speak the way you want to speak. And those kinds of things shouldn't preclude you from having a child in the foster care system. And and technically, as far as that goes, while I disagree that with that completely as a Christian, from a technical legal perspective, the a person who's a Satanist could use that uh, the same argument to to adopt a kid there too. Which what I am. Mean? Well, I mean, wouldn't they have a First Amendment right after what I just said to adopt a kid? Yeah, I guess you have a point. So. While I don't like them being able to adopt a kid, I, I, you know, I think that in this country, the way that the laws are written, that is a legal right that they should have. Okay. Yeah. So. It's, well, it's, it's difficult, it, yeah. like, because then you want to make sure things are on the side of morality and good and stuff, and then the laws are written in a way that gives people who we believe might be on the wrong side of things, the same ability to do what they believe in. Well, I mean, we know that they're on the wrong side of things. It's not even a belief. (laughs) Satanists are wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mince words about how wrong they are and how evil and and wretched their belief systems are. They're completely wrong. Uh, There's no debate about it, but they, they still have a right to exist and a a certain number of rights. If, if I want to say that I have rights based off those amendments too, you have to be, you know what I mean? Equal yeah. in the application of law. Yeah. yeah. I actually take that seriously as opposed to literally everyone else in the country that doesn't believe you should be able to own a nuclear weapon. But that's just me, I guess. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean about that? <laughs> so ba- based on the way that the Second Amendment is written. So if you actually go read the words that are there, right? The only thing that should matter if you go read the words that are in the Second Amendment, it says shall not be infringed. So my right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, what's an arm? Anything that you can use to hurt somebody else. That's what an arm is. So an arm goes all the way from a rock, which uh, was used in the first murder, all the way to, you know, the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. All of those are arms. And laser guns and rail guns and all the stuff we have coming down the pike in the future... Those will also be arms. It was very specifically written, arms, not guns, for that reason. There were plenty of arms at the time that had nothing to do with gunpowder. You know, so, you know, if you actually take seriously the words that are written down in the Constitution and the protections that they give us, you come to radically different conclusions than the society that we live in today. The society that we live in today, I can't go walk into Walmart and buy a gun without them IDing me, running me through a federal background check, and then making me wait for a week and a half. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because the whole point of that amendment or, you know, the Second Amendment was so that in case a tyrannical government comes into power that we would be able to remove them from power and 
I can I can see the attempt to make sure that the citizens don't have any attempt or any ability to do anything once mm -hmm. a tyrannical government comes into power. That well, basically it's... all the good guns are going to be reser reserved for like the military and the police and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're going to be left with little. It, you know. it, and it doesn't even matter what guns we're left with because all the people that own guns are on a list. So the second that a tyrannical government wants to take over, they're not showing up at my house and giving me an opportunity to, to defend myself. They're going to do what they've been doing in Ukraine and send a drone with a hand grenade to blow up my house and light it on fire. Like, that's... Wait, what? That's been happening in Ukraine? No. Well, I mean, you haven't seen the videos in Ukraine of the drones that, that carry hand grenades and drop them on soldiers? Dude, no. I go to work and go home, and I... No, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how anything. you... Dude, it's real-life Call of Duty. I That's literally like a <laughs> Call of Duty uh, killstreak reward, is to get a drone that you then go ram into somebody and it blows up. They've literally been doing that in Ukraine. Wow. And so there is no reason for me to believe that for $100, the United States government doesn't have just swarms of these drones that can literally ram into your house and light it on fire. And so now the government has a list of all the people with all the guns and what guns they have. And so the first second that they want to, they can just take everybody off the map that has any guns. Man, what do you... um? What do you kind of think about the future of the people that believe in the Second Amendment? Do you think that they're just going to be targeted for having guns? Uh, no, I think that what we've seen since the 1980s is the most drastic expansion of Second Amendment rights this country has ever seen. Um, and it's only going to keep marching forward, and we're just going to keep winning. And there will be a day when I can go buy a gun, and it, I do not put my name on a list that the United States government has access to. I think I've asked you before, um, I have asked you before, um, just refresh my memory. So what about the people, like, on the other side of the argument that are saying, like, what about the crazy people? Do you really want them to be able to go and buy whatever they want to, like, potentially harm other people? Well, yeah, the answer to that's easy. They already can. If um, I'm willing to break the law, I can already go get basically whatever gun I want as long as I have the money. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, they're not going through a federally licensed firearm dealer. They're going directly to the federal government and getting it handed to them by Barack Obama's Fast and Furious program for free. I'm unaware of what that is. What's the Fast and so Furious program? So, back when, when Barack, and Barack Obama was president, he had a program that we now know about. This happened. This is not a conspiracy theory. This isn't, like, something that we don't know happened that wasn't widely reported by every major news outlet. There is a program called Fast and Furious where the Barack Obama presidential administration through the ATF was sending guns across the border into Mexico and basically giving cartel members free guns. Are you serious? Completely. I'm 100% serious. This actually happened. This is real. This isn't like a conspiracy theory. I'm not making this up. It's called Fast and Furious. Go look it up. <laughs> not you i'm but like our viewers i, I that's okay mind-boggling so i can't believe that so the president wow. besides barack obama that's probably or sorry besides uh uh joe biden who's you know probably the most anti-gun was literally giving guns for free to the mexican cartel members the the plan was to like track them somehow i think and use that to somehow like 
end up catching them, but of course they bungled the whole thing, bungled the whole thing, and uh, the weapons actually got into the cartel members' hands and then got used against like border patrol and like Mexican government officials and stuff. Not a government official, but like Mexican like soldiers. Yeah, it, the whole thing was completely insane, and basically what the Democrats and anyone who's against guns and, and is for gun control, if you are for gun control, what you believe is that there is a certain class of people that should be protected by guns, and then everybody else should be at the be prey and be at the mercy of violent gang members and criminals. Okay, I don't, I don't that, think that's, they even. I think they're completely disconnected from that side. I think they're just, oh, God, a shooting happened at this school, or, oh, God, somebody shot up a, a movie theater, so we just shouldn't have guns entirely. Oh, no, no, they, the they know. They know. All. If you look at every single gun control bill, there's carve-outs for bodyguards. The gun, the gun control bills take into account that there are certain classes of people that should still be allowed to go get military-grade weapons. Like okay, so like private security. security. There is, what they're yeah. what they're essentially saying is that there is a class of people, a class of companies, because in our government, the way that our system works, companies are counted as people. Okay, so anything that a company can do is a right that you, as a citizen, should have. But these companies have rights that you you don't have, where they're allowed to build and own nuclear weapons. There's companies that are allowed to hire their own personal private armies and military groups. They ju they're just called bodyguards. Okay, there's groups that are allowed to break all of the laws that you as a normal citizen are constrained by, but they're allowed to break them because these rich billionaires and these millionaires in Congress need to be able to pay for them for their own private security. So that they can be wow. safe. When they but they don't care two bits about your safety. And this is getting away from the gospel, but, you know, it is important to understand that we live in this, that the society that we live in is this broken and, and degenerate. Because as bad as King David was in everything he did with Bathsheba and then getting Uriah killed, like, that's horrible, right? That's one of the worst things you could possibly imagine. What I just described with Barack Obama is about 50 times worse than that. <laughs> okay? As far yeah, as, like... Disarm your citizens and then tell the people from another country that here, here's some guns. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. wild to me. It's completely insane. And the fact that normal people like yourself have no idea that that happened is insane. That should that that should have been the biggest news in the world. It should have been all over the place. But the fact is that you had to be actually paying attention at the time to have any idea that it happened. And it's, you know. I'm just lucky enough that I'm the crazy person that likes politics and the news, so I've been paying attention for 20 years now, and I've seen all their insanity. They, they, they always play out of the same book. You know, they're, yeah. they're always going down the same path. I just, it, it's crazy, because it's starting to make me think that TV and social media and all this other stuff is just massive distractions, because there's actually all this stuff going on, and I don't ever see it. It doesn't ever get put front and center, but what does get front and center is just nonsense, like actual nonsense. But it's straight up, like, like <sighs> violations to our country's constitutional are not even being like talked about at all. That the government's making secret deals with people, or like secret deals with other countries, and just doing this wild stuff while simultaneously telling citizens we're going to take away your guns, like that stuff that does not get talked about and i feel like it just gets either censored or shadow banned or pushed to the bottom and so you have to actually go looking for it if you care you know 
Well, the, the problem is that where you would go get that information about politics and about what's going on in the world was your church. But since, especially the 1950s, there's been a huge societal move where we've decided that religion and politics shouldn't be talked about at the dinner table and that definitely you shouldn't be talking about religion in a political setting and you shouldn't be talking about politics in a religious setting. Like, you go to church and you try to say, you know, talk about who, you know, who you should vote for and people start getting a little, a little antsy. And especially around here, they won't even say Trump's name. I wouldn't, you know, I couldn't go to church and just start openly talking about how I want to vote for Donald Trump. Like I could, yeah, I, but I'd get weird looks and, you know, people wouldn't necessarily agree with me. Even though, no, I've, even I've, though they'd go vote for him. Yeah. I, yeah, that makes sense. I've actually known people that are a part of my family that basically said that they left churches because they got too political. And I think they're looking at it as like a bad thing when actually they're trying to inform you of like the crazy stuff that's going on in your own country. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and, and again, that's, that, that's not uncommon that people will leave churches that get, you know, too political, whatever that means. Uh, usually it just means that they're political in the opposite direction that they believe. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, and, you know, and there's, and there's problems on both sides. I think that the conservative churches need to be more strongly political and more outwardly vocal about that. And then the other problem is the churches on the left, you know, I, I, I drive for Uber. I, I drive by dozens of churches regularly that are LGBTQ plus affirming that are, you know, are play, are displaying the pride flag out front, you know, so the, 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 the other side is not afraid to make it political and to bring in all of their, all of their complete insanity and, and heretic, you know, all the heretical views into the church, but conservatives aren't willing to speak out and, and, and fight for the traditional Christian values that, that we should be fighting for. And so that's why we, that's why we get to 2023 and we're in the, the world that we're in today. Yeah, it makes sense. Like we we've been kind of brainwashed into thinking that we shouldn't talk about religion or politics or we should like like you said, we shouldn't have religion in a political setting or politics in a religious setting when they're almost not different. Like I mean they're different, but they're they're so entwined that we can't we can't do that. Like po well, political stuff will write laws about religious stuff and if we're not talking about religious political stuff in a religious setting then you're not going to know what's being done to your rights and and i don't it just yeah what were you going to say so it, well it's only been since the united states that you are even capable of disambiguating politics from government or politics from religion so before the united states what was the king's right to rule where did he derive his right to rule from i would say god Exactly. So they were divine right monarchs. And so every political entity was making religious claims, even including the United States. This included the United States, but since the United States set up a government where you could even at all separate out the politics and the religion, um, you know, it wasn't even possible before then. So... Now we have gotten to a place where it's even possible to separate religion and politics, when in reality it's just our culture. Really, they're all the same thing. Your religion should be informing what your politics is, okay? And your politics are a pretty good predictor of what your religion's going to be. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can't imagine that a Buddhist wouldn't vote 
in line with their Buddhist principles when they go into a ballot box. So obviously a Christian needs to be able to vote with their religious beliefs and taken into account in the ballot box. But you you can't do that properly just on your own. You should be getting instruction and, and, and things from your pastor and from the people that are in your community and that are around you. And we should be talking about what's going on at our church more. Yeah, that's I, I did appreciate a certain church that I went to for that. They were not afraid to talk about political issues at all. They were actually almost constantly talking about it. And we're living in such a time where we can't be docile or complacent with what's going on politically because you stop paying attention for a couple of weeks and, oh, gosh, a bill has been signed. Now you can't, you know, talk to your foster kids about your own religion or something like that. And so well, like, if you're not aware of that, then you can't even vote against it, you know? Well, it, it's it's even crazier than that because I, I get so many people that are that I know who are thinking of or have moved out of California to places like Texas thinking that it's some kind of a safe haven. And in some ways it is. You know, it has fewer taxes or the taxes are different at least. So there's some benefits there. But uh, monetarily, but, but yeah. But but legally, legally, their legal system is just as gummed up and jammed up by trans ideology as anywhere else. So you go to the family court in Texas. So this is Texas. We're not talking about California or New York. There's a family court in Texas that took a, a man's child from him. It's the man's biological child. OK, so he's the children are, are blood DNA related to the father. They took those children from him and gave custody to the, uh, so she is the birth mother, but she is not where their biology comes from. Their DNA came from an egg donor because she didn't have eggs or something. So it's a really weird situation, okay? But technically, legally, the father should have Wait. more rights than the mother in the situation. Did the mom and the dad split up and the dad... Let me, let me explain. Have, have it, mom? No. So it was like, it was IVF, in vitro fertilization. They got eggs from a different mother and then implanted the woman we are dealing with in this story with those eggs. So the, the children are not biologically related to her in any way, shape, or form. She was just the oven that baked them. The, okay. I, I, she's more than that, obviously, but in this story, we're talking legally, and I'm purely talking from it from a legal, about it from a legal perspective. So legally, in this situation, how we should look at it at the court, the dad should actually probably have more rights to these children than the mother. Wouldn't you say? Them actually being biologically related to him and them not actually being biologically related to her. Again, from a court's perspective, the father should probably have slightly higher rights to these children. Okay, so, but this, this, is, this is the basis. This is the basis. This is the basis. It doesn't even matter. This is the basis. You agree with the statement. The father should probably have more than this non-biological mother. Because she's not just a surrogate. She she was married to him at the time. They are raising the children as theirs. But in the instance where they have a difference of opinion on things, generally the court should see them as neutral. Usually it's weighted towards the woman. But in this instance, I think it should be weighted towards the man. What happened is this man whose biological children, uh, uh, this woman wants to divorce him and take these children with her, okay? And in the process of this divorce, she's claiming that the children are trans, or one of the children is trans. And so she wants to go and transition this child chemically 
uh, and like surgically, I believe, without the consent of the father, because he's obviously horrified by the whole situation. And, and when the kid's with him, the kid presents as a boy. But when the kid's with the mom and being, you know, subjected to not being loved by his mother, if he doesn't wear the dress, he chooses to wear the dress. And so in the court in Texas, this is in Texas, the court has awarded custody to the mother and she has taken those kids from Texas to California where she can now, without threat of legal recourse from the oh, Texas no. courts, transition the children. Okay? So I only tell this story because it's important that everybody understands that there is nowhere that is safe to have children in this, in this country. The state can come in and argue that you're not transing them hard enough and take them from you at any moment that they want. There is not a single place, jurisdiction, anywhere in this country where that is not a possibility. Now it's going to be a, a tough court case one way or the other, no matter where you're at, because that's always the case. If you funnel more money into better lawyers, you're going to have a better chance anywhere. But, I mean, it, it's just such an insane situation where we live in a, a society where that's even possible. Uh, right? Like... The, the the fact I'm, I'm that, horrified and grieved at this whole story like that's yeah. really sad yeah I, I i got to listen to this man's story he was on uh tim pool's podcast a couple days ago or last last week or something and it was it's heartbreaking hearing it from him you know and and the pain and the suffering that he's going through with this horrible wretch of a woman who's basically legally absconded with his children and that's he doesn't kid. and he doesn't know how they're being treated he doesn't know if they're being permanently chemically castrated perm you know what kind of surgeries are being done what kind of horrible psychological damage is being done because because these kids weren't actually trans the kid doesn't actually want to be a woman it's literally this kid's mom that is that is psychologically forcing it on her from everything they that can I've... do that now they can force a transition now <sighs> no but imagine you're three or five years old or whatever, and your mom is giving you a dress and saying, dress up in the dress, honey, and you're a girl now, right? You really like being a girl, and you do that when you're from five to eight to ten. There's going to be some, some going along with it that the kid does, because you want to get loved by your mother. And when, yeah, and when she gives that. you love when you're a girl and withholds love when you're a boy, uh, there's ways that you can manipulate children into doing the things that you want them to do doesn't always work out right it causes horrible psychological damage to them and you know all this other stuff but that's what's happening in this case to yeah, everything I that mean, i understand i can I, I, I can totally see a kid going along with it because they're just trying to make it in this world they're just trying to like have love from their parents and now the ideology is so thick that you even like I can, I can get, I can see it to the point where like, if a kid went walks over to his mom's shoes, like her high heels, and just puts his feet in them, they're like, oh, you you think you feel like you're a girl? And then they just like sh totally like shoehorn shove it in their face now. Like that's, oh yeah, I, I can well, just, I can just see that happening. The, the the problem is is that there's monetary incentives to it now. Now the mom who has what? a trans, well, I, I don't know how that's surprising if you are a. If you're a mom who's got a trans kid, you can go on YouTube and get a million views, which then can translate into real-world thousands of dollars. Oh, man. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because, yeah. Wow. So so we, we prioritize and, and give a lot of uh, eyeballs to mothers who do this to their children, 
And so it's a horrible negative incentive to kind of force your kids to be trans. And I think that happens on, on quite a frequent basis. It's the same with, with, uh, with teachers and students. You know, the, the teacher is, is gay or queer and has a bunch of pride flags all over the place. And so the kids that go into that class, there's a whole big mess of them that are just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm queer because I like my teacher. And, you know, I just kind of want to go along to get along because that's just kind of how kids are. They want we we teach them to conform with society. I mean, the whole reason that Christian parents give as to why we shouldn't homeschool is so that they can go get properly socialized. Well, in 2023, proper socialization at the government indoctrination center that's right over there across the street from me is pride flags all over the place and you affirm the transgender kid and tell them that they're awesome special snowflakes that deserve to have their you know their their bodies mutilated because of goodness and puppies and love yeah like if you're if you have a good teacher or just a teacher that's like nice to you or you like and they're into something like science it'll inspire you to be into something like science if they're into music same thing if they're into art same thing you know, like whatever they're into or very passionate about, you're kind of going to just almost see them as like somebody to, and I hate to put this in like, cause we're in a Christian podcast, but almost like an idol. Like mm-hmm. you, you really look at them, you look up to them and you're like, oh, well, this person's a teacher, like, and he's a successful adult. He's really into music. I think I should get into music. And back in the innocent days, that was, that's what it was. Oh, I'm really passionate about science. Cause I had a great science teacher. Or something mm-hmm. like that, and then now you find, some, yeah, I can see that. Like, well, now, now it's this... uh, now it's I'm passionate about social justice. I have a passion for human rights. I have a pla- a passion for climate justice. I, you know, I've got a big passion for making sure that everybody feels included and safe and secure. And some of those things are good things, but should you have a passion for them? Is that the really is that really the number one goal we should be looking for in society? Is are those things probably not there's probably some other things we should be taking care of like safety and you know our bridges that are falling down and a few other things that we should care about before climate justice whatever that even means (laughs) yeah there's like a there's a lot of stuff that we just don't understand about our planet i think our planet is too much to understand there could be things going on cycles going on just or, or the scientists completely understand it, and they're just like pushing um, kind of like a political narrative. They understand that the Earth kind of heats and cools, and so when it's in a heating period, they're like, oh, global warming, and then they pass electric legislation where everything is going to be an electric car, gives incentives to the electric car companies. Like, I, I have no idea where it ends, you know what I mean, or where it starts or where it ends, but it, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's crazy, and the the problem is that what we're seeing, especially with the climate stuff, I, I think there's other reasons for the social justice stuff. I think that's literally the devil and, like, demonry that is behind all that, and if you look at the actual, <laughs> like, imagery that they use, they're even more and more every day. It's more demonic. Uh, the, the Target, so Target got uh, Bud Lighted because they had trans clothing next to the kids' section, the guy who was responsible for making that line of trans clothing, like designing it, is a Satanist. And I don't think on any of the stuff that made it to Target, but on some of his other clothing lines, he's got very pro-Satan-like messaging. I know that sounds weird, but it's it's like, a, it's like no, an no. actual, yeah. It doesn't because they're pushing witch stuff. They're yeah, pushing spell but... stuff. 
demonry like uh, like like I don't know how to push this, but they're actually like like spells and uh, mm-hmm. occult stuff is actually being yeah. normalized with our youth now. Like, and it, so that's what you see crazy. in all the rap videos. And Taylor Swift now has a whole demon thing I think going on. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of... Tell me about that. I have no idea I, about the Taylor Swift thing. I don't, I, I don't know anything about it. I, I just heard that her latest stuff includes some demon stuff somewhere. I could be wrong about that. Um, so, I, you know, I apologize to Taylor Swift fans if she's not doing demon stuff in her latest album. But I think that... She, I think she is. Um, but, you know, all of everybody else's, Beyonce and all of them, have come out to, you know, Satan horns on the, you know, different set pieces and all that kind of stuff. That that's kind of what was starting like before we came before me and my wife became a Christians we started to like that was one of the things that made us Christian so I mm. almost wonder is the devil revealing their his hand so heavily like it's gonna it's gonna make people like 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 on one hand I think people chalk it up to hocus pocus oh yeah spell haha and they don't actually understand there's actual spirit real world spiritual stuff tied behind that. And then for other people, it's like, wow, this is getting really, really weird. Like, that's kind of what it was like for for me and for me and my wife mm-hmm. is just we just saw Super Bowl halftime events, different different sports events, different like public events where they were doing dances and bio, uh, choreography that had to do with like really weird stuff. And then they'd full out bring out the little devils and the little demons and mm-hmm. like they'd puppet them and stuff and like make them dance and stuff. It, it was just crazy. And so one wow. of the things I asked myself is like, if people actually believe in the devil, then God must be real too. Cause I got, I got kind of to the point where I was kind of just thinking like, you know, at one point everything is just, um, we just have this one life and it's all kind of like before I was a Christian, you know, we have this one life. It's all a coincidence. Everything is hocus pocus, like just kind of fake. Right. And then I kind of realized like people were putting actual energy into these demonic performances. And I was like, these are actual adults. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not, yep. they're not kids. They're actually adults that have like an intellect. And so if they kind of are aligning towards this stuff, then it kind of, then what, what about the other side? Then God must be real too. Like it can't just be everything is fake and coincidence, but the devil's real. Like, I, I don't know. So like, no, that, that's, that one, uh, I, I was just going to say that's, that's hilarious. Not hilarious. That's an incredible coincidence because uh, the man who actually invented podcasting, his name's Adam Curry. I listened to his podcast called No Agenda, and uh, he came to Christ recently within the last couple years, and he said the exact same thing, that if there truly is evil in the world, then there must be a God. And I had never heard of that, like, logic, because that, that's not how I, I was. I've been raised in a Christian family, so... Before I even came out of the womb, I was in church services hearing the gospel. And so <laughs> I've never, I, you know, for me, it's a foreign concept to, like, come to that understanding because it's just been such a baseline for me. So to see that two people who came to Christ later in life, that evil played a big role in their, you know, your decision and his decision to to come to Christ, it's interesting. I think that's a that's a very interesting thing to note, and I think that's something we should probably be targeting and talking about more as a society then is like there really is evil there really are people that are out there doing horribly evil demonic inspired things you know uh the recent movie where the guy goes down and saves kids from sex trafficking that's all real i believe that while human beings are capable of doing that without demons involved i think by doing that you're opening yourself up to demonic influences and 
then it all gets intermingled and gets a billion times worse because that you know that's all involved and now it's a whole tr sex trafficking trade and there there's are, real are evil out the, there. Are you talking about the Sound of Freedom movie? Yeah, yeah, Sound of Freedom. There we go. Thank you. I forgot the name. Right. <laughs> are you, are you saying by by uh, getting involved in the liberation of people who have been sex trafficked, you're exposing yourself to demonic activity? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. By getting involved in sex trafficking in a sexual act with a minor, you might not have directly been involved, been convinced by a demon to do that. It was probably completely your choice to take that first step. But once you get into that life, once you've committed some horrible act against another child or against a child, right? Now you're open to getting taken over and possessed by demonry. Does that make sense? Kind so of, while um... I don't, I don't blame demons for every little thing that we do wrong. We are capable of choosing to lie and to steal and to cheat and to do all of those things without demonic influences. We're capable of going down a path and getting ourselves into trouble, uh, harming children all on our own. Once you've done that. Once, once you've you crossed that it. threshold, once you've decided to do it on your own, now I think you're opened up to horrible demonic things coming in and getting into your life and starting to control your life. And so, the Sound of Freedom, the guys that get into it, they, they get into it for a penny with that first molestation, horrible event that they do, and then that grows and twists into a whole organization where now, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, right? Like... Yeah. So I think that demons get involved in those things in that sort of a way. I don't think they control us into getting into it in the first place, but once you're in there, they're going to they're going to take take control and do as much damage as they can with you and to you. Yeah, you you're kind of you're kind of just here, right? And then if you walk one way towards where God is calling you, you can start, you know, if you sow seeds to the spirit, you can reap everlasting life. But if you start getting tempted, to sin and go the other direction, then you sow seeds to the flesh and you're going to reap mm -hmm. corruption. And so ba basically, like, I think what's going on, and I'm pretty sure like the, the, the Bible would kind of back me up on this, is you are, you are this sinful being that has the capability of responding to God or responding to your flesh and the devil. And so the further you walk towards God, the easier it is to, to respond to him because you know you're sowing seeds to the spirit and it's easier to walk in the spirit but you continue to go down that path of sowing seeds to the flesh it's harder to pull yourself out of that do you know what i mean well i so, think it's impossible to pull yourself out the the only way you can get out of it is with god yeah divine Ultimately. intervention absolutely yeah yeah once you've given yourself over to that the only way out is through god and and that's how everyone is at some point you you choose to start sinning and you commit your first sin and at that point, you're in it so deep that the only way out is through Christ. And so that's what the Bible teaches, ultimately. Yeah. Well, all right. Do you want to move on to some of the really cool AIIW shorts that we've got? Uh, two more seconds. Let me just close out with uh, we need to be praying for our country, praying for our legal Absolutely. system. Uh, we need to pray for Joe Biden. We need to be praying for the Supreme Court. We need to be praying for here in California, our governor, Gavin Newsom. Uh, praise God, I don't think it was out of the goodness of his own heart, but the other day he actually ended up vetoing a bill coming out of the Congress here in California that would have enshrined in law that the court can uh, take away your kid for not properly 
uh, gendering them and for not supporting their transition. Ooh. So he actually... Now, his reason why he vetoed that is that the current law is already working that way, but the fact that it's not codified into law means that we can actually make arguments legally to try to get out of that and to use the legal system to, to get around that injustice. Does that make sense? So, yeah, that actually makes me feel really good because I saw all these people as absolute puppets. I would, I mean, I would not vote for Gavin Newsom if there was like another like election or anything, but it feels really good to know that we can actually pray for politicians or people on the other side of our political views that might actually respond and do the right thing. Because so, I, I, I always felt that you had to put the right people to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Well, and you do need to put the right people to do the right thing. Number one, if it wasn't already working that way, he would have signed it such that it would start oh, okay. working that way. So he's not, okay. he's, not, he's not doing it out of the kind of, kindness of his heart. The reason he's doing it is he can't have his name on that bill if he's trying to run for president. Because while that may fly for that may fly here in California, and you may be able to still get elected governor here in California, signing a bill that takes kids away for not gendering them properly, it, that won't oh, you get fly in for Iowa. It, yeah, yeah, that won't. Yeah. Every other state except New York and a handful of others that he's already locked up are going to have a complete and total meltdown if he's running, and that's the kind of stuff he's signing. So, okay. I, I I praise God that. We live in a, in a society and in, in a place where people are going to work to their own benefit for the most part. It's not always the case, but generally they're going to work in a way that's beneficial to themselves. And the fact is that most people are not in this country are not on board with that insanity. And so because of that, he can't go as completely insane as he wants to. So I almost wanted to feel like, yay, he actually is making some good decisions, but it's more of like a political move that he's doing. He's like, oh, I, man, I can't do this because, you know. So, again, I'm doing a little bit of mind reading. Uh, I, I will claim that I don't know his inner secret thoughts. He could inner secretly not have changed his mind and is using that as an excuse. But he did say that the reason why he's not signing this is because it's already the law. So it's unnecessary. And the only reason you would say that is because you don't want to get saddled with actually having signed it and put your name on that policy. So okay. I am reading between the lines a little bit. It is possible that, that he did have a change of heart. Uh, recently in an article, he actually said that his, uh, his son has been interested and been asking questions about Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson and uh, Andrew Tate. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so it looks like those ideas have kind of infected the, uh, the Newsom household a little bit. Which is interesting. That's actually good. I like that's that's the most heartening like story out of all that that I've heard recently is uh, that his son has been <laughs> has been getting uh, <laughs> polluted Pilled? by yeah red pilled <laughs> by uh, not so much Andrew Tate. I think Andrew Tate's a very dangerous person to start idolizing. Anybody is dangerous to idolize, but uh, especially Andrew Tate, given his past and especially the fact that he's a Muslim. You know, for me, like. That was a complete disqualifier uh, when he converted to, to to Islam. Uh, but, you know, what he's being accused of in Romania is pretty bad, too. But Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan are just stellar people to be looking towards as people with good ideas and, and good ways of conversing and asking questions. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, it, 
Yeah, Andrew Tate's a mixed bag because he's said a lot of things that like I've I've watched him a little bit and he's uh he's had he's got a bad past and he's done a lot of like controversial stuff. But I I've watched some stuff where he basically said if you do these bad things then you're you're like basically less of a man and stuff like that. And I was like, I, I was almost like the way I looked at it, I was almost like, wow, that's a that's a good point. So he does kind of. Yeah. say certain things that kind of make you go like yeah i shouldn't do this like that, that <laughs> is a bad thing so. and, and and of course i'm very thankful for anyone who has gotten help out of whatever they've heard from andrew tate but I, I again i just think that it's very again he's a very mixed bag at some points he's got some really great advice at other points he's doing webcams with women in romania possibly you know slave trading them so, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna out, outright support him. Uh, but I, again, I don't know if those accusations are all completely correct or what was going on. I think it was horribly, wickedly sinful, regardless of what he may have actually done. Uh, and that's ultimately what matters to God. And what matters most to God is that instead of turning to Jesus for forgiveness, he he turned to Muhammad. And unfortunately, Muhammad doesn't know where where uh, where where to go for salvation. <laughs> Do you do you think he is just being an absolute troll with that conversion? Because like what I was hearing is that he basically said the Christian Church was being too like lax about allowing like LGBT stuff and gay affirming stuff, and they basically not being ironclad about what they believe in. They're kind of just being wishy washy, and that's obviously like from an actual Christian perspective, you would just chalk that up to progressive Christianity and people who are apostate from the actual church. Right. And so like, I, where, where do you kind of, th what do you kind of think um, about that? If I thought he was a complete moron and dumb, I'd agree with you. The The fact is he's not a complete moron and he's not dumb. And so, so he, he, knew, he knows what he's doing. He knew well, when you go specifically to Islam, when you convert to Islam, you're in it for life. You are not getting out of it, especially not as a prominent person like him. You can't get out of it. So this is Why not is some... I don't know anything about kill Islam. You. Is the part They'll kill oh, you. Oh, 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 okay. Well, once you have become a Muslim, you cannot deconvert without them trying to hunt you down and murder you. And especially a prominent figure like him, they will murder him. Is it in their texts that they should? Uh, yeah, something. Like uh, that, right? it, there's a lot of stuff. It, it, it comes from their imams and a you know and, and teachings from them. So I don't know if it's directly in the Quran, but it's in the interpretation of the Quran as given by specific imams. Or what, what word are you saying? Imams. Imam. It's like a pastor for Muslims. Oh, okay. I didn't know. That. It's like a rabbi. Think rabbi. So it's basically okay, the same okay. as basically the same as rabbi. Uh, so I, he had to have known that when he when he converted to Islam, and the fact that I, I believe his brother Tristan is actually still a Christian. So I, I think he was very serious, and uh, I, I think he knew what he was doing when he when he made that conversion. So huh? Okay. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's it's really sad that someone would see. Because I, I agree with a lot of his criticisms. I think that there's a, a number of especially mainline uh, Christian denominations. So, you know, like the Lutherans, the Anglicans. Those churches are just rotten to the core. And they're getting completely gutted by LGBTQ ideology and women pastors and all of that insanity. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I passed by dozens of churches all day. 
with rainbow flags in their in their windows. Because I know for um, specifically the Lutheran Church, they have kind of a conservative sect and they have like a liberal sect. So do you think it's kind of like that for like like most denominations? Like with Anglicans, there's a conservative and there's like a so like a uh, liberal. Uh, other than the Southern Baptists, I believe that the liberal wings are vastly outnumbering the conservative. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Vastly. Okay. So, well, the, the the real problem with the, the mainline denominations is nobody goes. So there's a lot of churches that exist where it's basically just an endowment. So they had some rich muckety-muck die 30 years ago and give their church a $100 million endowment. And so now this church with a $100 million They're endowment, they can live off that and run the church without actually having to have a congregation. So there's, oh. there's tons of churches across this country that are being run, you know, in certain ways that are completely anti-biblical because there's, there's no congregation that's even holding them accountable. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that because, like, the... The, the the Lutheran church that I went to had a very small congregation mm -hmm. in a very, very popular, expensive city yep. on, like, a main street. And so I'm just thinking, like... What's the rent on the, this place? and What's the rent on this place? Do the, like, do the people actually, like, man, I don't know. But so it, yeah. at the same time, yeah, it, it's a good point that you're making. Like, I didn't, I didn't put that together. You know, so, it, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong when you have a bunch of churches like that. You know, that's that's not a church. That's a club of, you know, ministers, I guess. I don't know. They're not even really ministering to anybody. So I, I don't know. I, we don't need to get too far into it. But yeah. So uh, where were we at? <laughs> we were at watching some AIIW clips and then we have a Joe Rogan uh, thing to react to as well. Awesome. Let me get to the Discord watch together. Let me see if I can get that up. Beautiful. Of course, you go to a different spot, so I gotta move me. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Alright, cool. We are ready to go when uh, whenever you want to get started with that. So, praise God. Uh, I was just gonna do some explanation on the videos, if you don't mind. No, oh, you're good, you're good. Uh, so praise God this week I've been doing and trying some different stuff with my videos and one of them really caught fire over on Instagram uh, before I started the broadcast tonight. It was at 130,000 views, which is just, Ooh. which is, yeah, crazy for me. I, I don't have very many uh, videos that get that many views. So praise God. Uh, and uh, I'll let you know which one that is. I'm not sure what the order is going to be. And uh, yeah, I've just been having a lot of fun cutting up some different videos uh i've got the one that i just talked about was a video of a preacher or a teacher named john lennox uh and another video that i've had that's done pretty well has been of billy graham so it's been fun kind of cutting up some of his old sermons and putting some music to him so you get to see that tonight as well really quick question so let's blend everything together um if 130,000 was your biggest view cap what was like your second biggest uh, so that's not the biggest. Uh, so, um, the the video that I've had that has that has the most views is at one point one million. Uh, oh so that's, wow! Okay. Yeah, and that's over on TikTok. Uh, so that was I cut up. There is a uh, gentleman that goes by the name of Sovereign Bra. So I think he's got that on most social media. So go uh, check him out. 
so Sovereign, and then B-R-A-H. Uh, so he's a pretty cool guy. He, uh, he's been on the Whatever podcast a few times, and he's been on uh, Tim Pool's Culture War podcast as well. And I ultimately cut this from the Culture War podcast, where he was uh, explaining how he became a Christian and how uh, he was convinced of Christianity by a book. Uh, I can't remember which book it was specifically, but it was something like A Case for Christ. So I cut okay. out him talking specifically about going, hey, go buy this book. And then he talks about how it changed his life. And uh, that's the video that got a million views. There's thousands of comments. I saw a couple people that were saying that they were going to go buy the book and read it and kind of, you know, see if it if it holds up to the uh, the hype. Right. So there's it's possible a couple people actually got saved because that video exists, which is just incredible. And not anything that I did myself. That's that's all God's work, not mine. All glory be to God. Absolutely. Because, like, I feel, you know, when I'm talking about these numbers, I kind of start to feel like I'm bragging or boasting or something. But, like, it's not me. I, I'm not the one doing the work to, to get these out there. That's It's all because of the grace of God that, that people are able to see him and, and that you know, people come to Christ. You're just happy to see the feedback. Amen, like, yeah. Like, you're... You, it, that's where your heart's at is you're actually glad that it's that god is using it and it's going somewhere not that you're like oh look at me i did some great thing so exactly that's, exactly yeah well and I, I find it funny the most videos i try to have some portion of me in the video like responding to it or reacting to it or saying something but it's always the videos that don't include me that blow up the the biggest <laughs> <laughs> god's so. protecting your heart brother <laughs> yeah I, I guess i i, I guess so <laughs> That's, that's okay. That's okay. I don't need my face out there, but you know, it was my hand that cut the video and I chose the music and and all the other stuff. So there I did uh, play a I part. Mean, <laughs> I'll be honest, when I'm watching other YouTubers and when they're reacting to a certain video, as soon as they start talking, I start finding where they stop talking and click right there. So I just want to watch the clip. I don't really want to watch <laughs> the people talking. So that yeah. might be something that's going on there. Do you know what I mean? So there, you're going to have people that are interested in the content that you're sharing. And then there's going to be people that are interested in you as a person. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get disheartened <laughs> or, or, or think that it's you that's causing that. Cause like, there's a, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of YouTubers that I'll watch where they'll watch some controversial YouTube clip. Mm -hmm. And then I'm basically just wanting to get back to the controversy every time they stop <laughs> the video. And so that's, what's going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So you know, it's just funny how that all works out. <laughs> and then I, I'm very meticulous. I try to make sure everything looks as good as possible, is the highest quality video possible, and it doesn't look like garbage, but the one on Instagram that blew up looks horrible. <laughs> so you'll see. <laughs> the the guy's Which, basically... Is that the a, John Lennox one? or the, Yeah, the, the or John Lennox one. one. Yeah, the John Lennox one. He, he, he is not very good. To, he, he's like 10 p not not 1080 not you know 420 is like 10p you'll see okay all right we got that coming up right now are you ready yeah. mm -hmm. all right in three two one why would you choose to worship a creator god who forbade man to actually eat from the uh, tree of knowledge, one which you have obviously eaten from because you are a rather knowledgeable man, why would you choose to worship a, a, this sort of deity who would have kept you dumb? <clears throat> That's a very good question. <laughs> I'll tell you why it's a good question. I, I noticed it was asked originally by a snake. 
<laughs> Super good. That's funny. Thank you. Oh wait, you it's playing for you, but not me. Uh, you are a servant of God or a slave. Then give your life. Okay. Sorry. Watch party <laughs> things okay. for me and Ryan sometimes. It's, I don't know how it's that this bad. It's crazy. That's okay. We're doing our best. Uh, so um, you know, in that one, that, obviously, it's funny. The I think the reason that that one spread so quickly and and got so big is because the guy that's asking the question kind of sounds like a snake. Like, if like if I were to have an animated, like, serpent that I wanted to be voiced by a, a, a voice actor, I'd go ask him. <laughs> um, it was kind of, it was kind of like the, like, the, the almost, I guess, the line of questioning that Satan used in the garden, like, mm -hmm. um, did God really say that? No, God wants you to have knowledge like him and stuff and so he's kind of like propping up this guy and then asking why would your god want you to do that and so that that was a clever response actually. yeah that was I beautiful that. in a, in the little debate that he was in so that was john lennox l-e-n-n-o-x i believe so just if anybody's interested in hearing more from him he, he did actually have an answer to the guy's question that was different than just calling him the devil but uh, <laughs> obviously that was the uh, the meat of his uh, little gotcha there. So, do you know what the? Do you kind of know what he was? His retort was. Uh, I'd have to go look it back up to give it to do it justice. I, I oh, was okay. I I more more or less I just saw that knew that that was gonna make a great little like eleven second video and just cut it out right there. Because okay. I know how I would answer that question, I, so I wasn't as interested in his. It was just a cool video. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's really interesting that he would kind of frame it that way. Uh, well, like, why would you want to worship a god that would want you to be dumb? And what what would you kind of what would you kind of say to that question if somebody asked you that? Oh, that so um. You know, why would we want to worship? A, so the answer is that God made us perfect and made us in such a way that we were created to perform certain functions. And so by not knowing those things, we're going to be we're going to perform more perfectly and we're going to have a better, more blissful life. And so. that You know, that's. He didn't create us to eat it. He gave us the option to eat it so that we could actually have love. OK, so imagine that that tree didn't exist and there wasn't anything that we could do that would go against God's will, then by de facto, we don't have any will of our own. We can only do God's will. Yeah. You're just slaves at that point. So it's not, it's not love. Exactly. And so in order for him to be able to show us love and in order for us to be able to show him love back, he needed to be able to give us the opportunity to, to sin and to do something that is outside of his own will. Yeah, I keep I've had a, a lot of conversations with a with a friend of mine basically trying to explain that that's how we know we have free will is he put the put the tree in the garden so that it w it, it was an option to disobey. And then uh one of the responses and and he's he's Christian. He's he's just trying to yeah, he's just trying try to, to make me do it all. Yeah. And so he would ask, "Why wouldn't God just make a, a, a Lucifer that wouldn't tempt or a Lucifer that wouldn't have pride or an Eve that wouldn't eat the apple 
or like why wouldn't he just make it to where that wouldn't have happened like what would you re- what would your response be to that would it just go back to the whole free I mean, thing so how is that how is him making someone so let, let's you have to understand you have to, you have to think about that question what it's actually asking so it's already understanding that the tree has to exist because we already answered the question of why the tree has to exist so there's no new information that I can add to that. All the same reasons why the tree has to exist are the exact same reasons why we couldn't do what you just described. There's no, you, you've literally not changed the argument at all. Because I, you ba- I don't understand how. I, I'm, uh, I'm not following. Help me out. <laughs> so you, you basically, in both questions, you're asking, why did God give us a choice? Why did God give us a tree to make a choice? Oh. Why did God make us capable of making a choice? Because the presupposition of that question you asked is the tree exists, but we're force-fielded from being able to, to touch it. Is essentially what you're saying. You're saying that that force-field is our nature is not such that it would ever choose to do it, but that's essentially a force-field that is just blocking us from being able to make a free will choice. So you're basically asking, why did he make us with free will? Why did he make us with, uh, with an environment where we could have free will? Are the two questions you're asking there? There's nothing I couldn't change. I don't have to change my answer to answer both of them. Okay, I see. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, I'm not saying you're dumb, of, yeah. uh, but no, I know, if you I know. look at like the underlying presuppositions of both of them, they're both asking, why did God make us capable of making a choice? And the answer is so that we can love him. And so that we can have faith in him and choose him of our own free will, of our own volition. Yeah, and I guess the... It, yeah, it, it kind of it keeps going back into free will. So, like, why wouldn't God make a, a, a Satan or a Lucifer that would choose not to rebel? Or why wouldn't God... It, it's all the force field, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, so, I couldn't... I can't answer anything about the angels or demons. We're not given the information. So... I don't know what ba- what their bounds are. I don't know if they have free will. I don't know I- in what way Satan was capable of making the decision to rebel against God or how he could have gotten a third of the angels to follow him. Uh, mo- it sounds to me when you when you actually see the descriptions of angels is that they're more like uh, machines, but ultimately they have some kind of free will because they were able to choose to disobey God and to... to to then, you know, work towards corrupting his creation. I don't know anything about how that process happened, about what their motivations were, about how they physically did it, because it's just not given to us. We are given absolute, basically no information about any of that. So we'll have to find that out. It just kind of says that uh, you said in your heart, I will ascend the throne of God. I will make my throne amongst, you know, like the the I wills of Satan basically is just... Mm -hmm basically in his heart he was like i'm gonna do all these things i'm gonna one-up god i'm gonna you know well, i'm gonna the, be equal to god but the question is what what does it mean that a, a uh, that satan has a heart does he have a heart is there a physical muscle in his physical body that's pumping blood around are we talking about what does heart mean in his will where does a where does satan's yeah, will reside where is that does he have a brain yeah, I don't know. I see, think, see what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I, we don't know any of that. Like, so we, what, when we're saying that Satan willed something, I don't know what that means if he doesn't have a body that I can relate to. I know yeah, what it's like. Yeah, you know, when it says our heart desires wicked things, like your heart is deceitfully wicked and evil above all else. Like, 
does that mean like my organ heart or is that like it, it clearly my... doesn't it clearly doesn't mean the organ the heart it, it's talking about your will and assigning it a physical organ um oh, okay so it's not talking because obviously that then it would be then the bible would be wrong and that would be a, a reason to distrust the bible if it's saying that your heart actually is like thinking for you though there is some uh, there is some debate about that actually there, there's some uh your heart actually has so have you heard that like octopuses have uh, octopi octopodes i'm not sure which one's the plural but that they how they have brains in their limbs have you heard that no i did not so, know that in each of the limbs of an octopus, there's a little tiny cluster of neurons that allows that uh, arm to work semi-independently. Well, what we've found since we've been looking for these, these neurons in different organs is that humans have a few of them in your heart, there's a few of them in your liver, there's a few of these, these brain cells Clusters. that are scattered throughout your body at different points. So like, oh, wow. you know, there is no one location that all of your thinking goes. Uh, the other crazy thing is that they've, this is anecdotal, I don't know that there's been a study on this, but anecdotally, people that have had their heart replaced uh, in that procedure, a lot of times they will have a different personality after the transplant, and that sometimes some of those personalities uh, line up with the people that they got their heart from. So, oh wow! So again, completely uh, anecdotal, that's... not biblical. I just want to make that clear. I'm not talking from a biblical perspective or Christian at all in this. This is a like scientific anomaly we're talking about. It's almost like there's like personable traits that, yeah, that that's interesting. So there like... could be some amount of truth to it, where your heart has some amount of like sway over the way that you think. Um, but I would still say that like it's just trying to attribute to an organ the general ability that a human has that isn't that, that's in your like consciousness wherever that's located if it has a location okay because that, like that's actually really yeah. cool information we should, i, I want to look stuff like that up like dang that's really cool yeah there's a lot of kooky things like that out there where now the the flip side of that story about the heart transplant is the guy did just have a heart transplant so like that might change some things around in your life too <laughs> like it, it, it's kind of yeah. like if you had like a stroke or some major major brain trauma like you're going to be a little bit different you know exactly well the, the really crazy stuff like the uh the people that will like hit their head so hard that they like crack open their skull and damage some part of their brain and then they can like play the piano like a virtuoso and they never touched or a like piano speak before. french or yeah. like yeah that's nuts that's there's some there's some real weird craziness out there Huh. Yeah, but, that's uh, actually really interesting. So, yeah, I really just liked that video. Um, it was a lot of fun to make, and, you know, like, it had a huge response over on Instagram. It did okay on the other platforms, getting a couple hundred or a thousand views other places. Uh, but, yeah, just tons of tons of comments and responses, and just praise what God. What were some of the comments? Ah, dang it. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would ask me that as soon as I said it. I can look it up. Uh, real quick no, it, it, it's fine it's fine but uh yeah we, uh, we have a little bit of time and two more videos to go but okay. that was uh I, I would be interested in knowing to, yeah uh, what some of the the engagement was so it's at 155,000 views now uh 12,000 likes Ooh. 438 comments 6,644 shares it's just crazy 
you know, there's people that say, like, simple answer, it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but Adam and Eve already knew God because God is literally all good. They had nothing to gain but evil. You know, just different stuff like that. Ignorant, another person Sounds said like a ignorance lot of is bliss. Are... Yeah, lots of Christians. Like a lot of Christians are responding, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. I actually get mostly positive responses with a few people that come in with negative stuff and, you know, God's not real type comments and kind of snarky things. But uh, for the most part, it's really positive what I've what I've gotten online, which has just been a huge blessing. Yeah, that's really cool. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why people come in with their God's not real stuff. Like, but I guess it, we all have a right to our opinions, you know. And they have a right to their opinion, and I, I, you know, as long as you do it respectfully, I don't blame you coming onto my feed and asking questions or making comments. Um, the the. The funny thing is why anyone would feel the need to do that. So let's say God isn't real. What then compels then why you? Why would you? Yeah, why would? Yeah, exactly. Why would you feel the need to waste your energy to go and type yes, it then? Exactly. What what benefit <laughs> is it to anybody? Are you making the world a better place by getting rid of by trying to convert all of these horrible Christians to your atheism? Like, what benefit is it to you? Technically, so technically, what an unsaved person should do is learn everything they can about Christianity so they can take advantage of us and use us for money or gain or some, you know, benefit, right? Like, that's what a, an atheist actually should do because they don't have a moral framework. There's nothing that would stop them from doing anything to anybody. But yeah. it's, re it's, it's really hilarious when I say that, when I, make that when I make that claim in a video, people come at me and say, you you know what are you talking about? I have a moral framework, and then they try to justify where that comes from, and it's complete insanity. But uh, it's just funny, you know. People get really mad when you say that they that they aren't I, that they don't believe anyone is good or evil. <laughs> yeah, and then they try to borrow from Christianity or the Bible, and they don't even realize it. Pretty much is what ends up happening with that. Exactly. Well, they, they try to borrow from what they believe to be just kind of general common knowledge. But the funny thing is the reason that that's general common knowledge is because of God and because he's the one that created the universe. Right. So yeah. murder is wrong and everyone knows murder is wrong because it was written onto our hearts by a just God. And so we know that we transgress against that and that it's wrong because of that. Whereas an atheist has no reason to believe that anyone has murdered anyone ever it's the law of the jungle you know monkeys are beating each other up and, and killing each other all the time and it, it's neither here nor there as far as morality yeah so that's kind of, yeah they kind of see themselves in that way or they they, or they, they should realize that it's no no, no. The, yeah. the funny thing is that they don't see themselves that way and that just proves god so i i go through that whole spiel and i explain hey look Based on what you believe, they're not being a god. There's actually no morals. There's no right or wrong. None of that's real. It's all relative. Got it. I, I, I'll stipulate to all of that. If that's all true, then there is nothing wrong with me going and murdering someone, and there is no good and no evil, and you're not a good person, but that also means you're not an evil person. And then they respond with, you're a horrible human being. You're evil and wrong. And I'm like, but I just stated what you believe, right? And they're like, no, I believe in good and evil, and I'm good. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> How did you get how did you get that there is a good and an evil? And then they always just like, you're wrong. I believe in good and evil. And I'm like, okay, so where does that come from? You're wrong. I believe in good and evil. It's literally all you get. Just cognitive uh, dissonance after that. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. 
where yeah where does good come from where does evil come from how do you discern between the two um, exactly yeah. well and, and again if you want to look at nature you know if we're all just a highly advanced monkey monkeys get into fights and quarrels and hurt each other and kill each other all the time uh you know they they steal dogs monkeys will steal dogs and use them as alert systems so you know how uh dogs when the mailman comes they just bark their head off and they don't stop barking yeah uh, monkeys are using that as a feature and not a bug of dogs so they'll trap them up in a tree and uh whenever a predator or something comes in the dog sees it or smells it before the monkeys do and starts barking alerting them to the threat so like wow you know they're totally willing to enslave other animals and you know all sorts of crazy stuff that the people on the left would have horrible problems with <laughs> you know so that's what they are bro <laughs> that's what their morality should be is whatever that monkey's doing you should be completely willing to do exactly the same things that they're doing yeah I'd have to go. I, I remember going deep into these conversations, and like the it's kind of it kind of gets into apologetics a little bit. Like, um, where does morality come from? How do we know what good and evil is? And it'd be it'd be a good refresher to get into that. Definitely, I'm, I'm a little bit drawing a, a blank on some of those arguments, but I remember that that was good stuff. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Since we're watching my videos, I remembered. Didn't you put out a video this week? I thought I saw something you made. Oh yeah, I did. Did you want to watch that too? um we can it's uh let me i can, I can i'd be I can down how how to do I, th I thought i saw it had a few dozen views when i when i was looking at it let me let me check really quick let's see it has 17 views okay that's over a dozen at least you know yeah it's, uh, you'll get there uh, it's my best video so far the other the, the other one was i had two other ones one was 16 and the other one was 14 I don't okay. really, uh, but yeah, that's, that's like my best feedback going there, you know, or just making something and it has one like, Ayo, let's go. Nice. But, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm if you, happy about that. if you want to show it great, if not, I understand too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you're doing stuff too, I want to, want to promote that. Uh, we, we can watch it on the next one. Okay. Um, we got a little bit of time. I got some stuff going on in the morning. We're running a little bit late, but okay. yeah, I'll, I'll I'll play that on the next on the next episode. Sweet. Um, just well, a little uh, bit nervous to show it, but yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, that's why I wanted to give you the option. But uh, sorry if I called you out. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm uh, I'm making another uh, YouTube channel, like a personal YouTube channel, guys. Um, it's a joke name. It's called More Humble Than You. And um, it's obviously a, a play mm -hmm. on Christianity, you know what I mean? Because uh, um, being humble isn't something that you brag about. So the fact that it was yeah. like, uh, it, it was just kind of like a paradoxical joke kind of name. And I thought it'd be just funny. I but... love it. I love it. If it's, <laughs> if it's your personality and uh, I think that that'll be a good, uh, it's also like a, it's a M-H-T-Y. That's a good like acronym, you know? So one yeah. of the. One of the things that happens with with a lot of this stuff is eventually you drop the like four word title that you had for it and just call it by the acronym. So like Faithful Dialogues in five years, it's just going to be the FD podcast. <laughs> oh, that's, that, and that's not that's so bad. A, a, the FD podcast doesn't doesn't have a bad ring to it, you know? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I and, uh, I know what you, I see what you're saying about the, the four letter thing. 
and uh, MHTY, that sounds like a pretty cool podcast, you know, or something too, right? I want to go listen. I want to go watch the latest MHTY video. Okay, right? I see what you're saying. Well, I like it. I like it. But uh, yeah. So uh, like I said, I've been doing some different stuff, trying out different uh video types and styles. Uh, I've been using a program called CapCut to edit the videos, which has a lot of easy to use like effects that you can add. Uh, so you'll see a lot of those throughout this video hopefully not too much uh trying to kind of figure out the good balance of like not too much of a, uh, too much too many effects but not too few you know so. i like your balance let's go ahead and uh watch Take this it. next clip thank you all right here we go in three two one okay in three two one <laughs> life total to christ tonight you cannot be neutral you're either a servant of god or a slave of satan Jesus said no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in materialism. You cannot serve God in yourself. You have to put Christ first. You have to make a choice and you stand tonight at the crossroads. Here's the broad road. There's the narrow road. And when you receive Christ, you go against the tide of the broad road. That's the reason it's not easy to be a Christian. It's hard. If you want to serve Christ with all your heart and be everything Christ wants you to be, it is not easy. But if you want a challenge that'll pay off a million times in this life and the life to come. Everyone believes in miracles. So, uh, one of the things that I've been doing, and I'll, be, I'll completely admit it to you guys, uh, I will take the last little bit of the video cut it off and put it at the front. And so one of the things that that does, if you're someone who's a Christian trying to get your messages out there on social media and Facebook and YouTube and the shorts and all that, um, when it goes, it'll automatically replay at the end of your uh, clip. And a lot of times people will listen to that last little bit again, not realizing that uh, uh, the video restarted. And so you actually juice up a little bit of the views that way. So little it's a nice little play it's a little shady i'll admit you know I, I, but i'm not lying to anybody the other thing is that this time it put like a good you know uh can we replay it for me real quick just so everybody can see we yeah don't have to do the whole give thing. your life totally to christ tonight you so so that was the loop right there right yeah and so uh you know you you hear him say then give your life totally to Christ. And so you're getting a... I felt pretty okay about this one because you're getting a good gospel message. You know, give me, your life totally to Christ. The, let me play the end really quick. ...off a million times in this life and the life to come. Everyone believes in miracles. Oh, and give your life totally to Christ tonight. I see. Yeah, so it'll on pay, the... It'll pay off a million times and in the life to come if you give your life to Christ tonight. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it helps to... I think I've mentioned that to you a couple times that, that you should be looking to do that. Uh, what you want to make sure you do with that as well is you don't just cut the video. You want to cut the, the, the whatever audio is accompanying it as well. So obviously he's speaking, but also the music. You don't want the music to change in that transition either. So cut the music at that same time and then have the music transition a second or two into the video after that little clip's done. I see. Okay. Does that, does that all make sense? So yeah. probably a little bit of, a little bit of inside baseball there for, for people. If you're not interested in making videos, then you can disregard it. 
but uh that's what that's what I've been seeing creators doing uh that get some really really viral hits going on i I don't think it's shady. I think what it does is at the end of the video, you feel like you missed something and so you play it again and then you realize you didn't miss anything. And then you try to figure out where the loop stopped and where the loop began. And they're all just <laughs> watching your content the whole time. So. That feels a little shady. <laughs> it feels like I'm kind of trapping you into my like video loop a little bit. I, I you know, again, I'm doing it so I don't feel like it's it's sinful in any way, but you know, if, if anybody feels like that's something a Christian shouldn't do, let me know and we'll we can have that discussion. So <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that from like, my perspective, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like <laughs> I don't like having a video clipped up in a way where you get a different message or where you're coming away with something else. That would be one thing. But um, yeah, I I'm not feeling like a deceptive nature in it at all. Okay, I'm just kind of seeing it as a way to um engage you or intrigue you a little bit more. And okay, that's uh you know. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that because in my brain it's basically just a blatant sham to increase view count at the expense of <laughs> a couple seconds of wasted time from my viewers. So that's that's how I that's what I'm concerned about when I'm when I'm doing these things. That's those are the kind of things that I think about. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, 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 from my point of view, I I think they might like just check it out a little bit more just to see yeah. who, if they missed anything or, or like where the loop stopped and ended, but I'm not and getting a deceptive so. feel from it at all. Okay, so. good. And it, the other thing is if it starts playing again, you're more likely to comment on it or kind of say something so, or give it a like those sorts of things. So there, yeah. there's, there's a lot of benefits to the content creators and it's something that a lot of people are doing who make shorts. So something to, to look at. All right, and before we end our podcast, we have one more video to watch. This one has to do with Joe Rogan and Joe Scott. Uh, did we want to? We are at two hours, and I know that that you got the uh, the thing in the morning, so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, sure. Actually, then, yeah, we'll save this for the next one. Yeah, we'll we'll save it for the next one. Uh, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. I think we're still gonna try to do it on on Sundays, uh, but some things have gotten in the way the last couple weeks so uh and you know what we're not gonna be able to do it on sunday for my sister's for my sister's wedding in a couple weeks so there's we're either going to be coming to you saturday night or sunday nights or monday monday nights <laughs> yeah with my current work schedule i have sundays and mondays off and it's been a very eventful time in my life i've had uh, a recent move to a new place last month a lot of financial struggles a lot of just different things hitting me from left field right field and center so definitely just be praying for me and my brother, Amen. Ryan. We, we've got stuff that we're trying to untangle as it comes at us tangled. So <laughs> as, everybody uh, does, as everybody does, get through it. Yeah, it's true. Yep. And that's again. Um, so because I'm asking you guys to pray for us and just ask that God bless us and just help us get through what we're getting through. Um, text us at 833-262-6431 so we can pray for you guys and just whatever prayer requests you might have just send them our way so that we definitely can pray for you guys as well definitely we're we're all going through some different things and uh especially in 2023 as a christian it's it's tough out there so if you need any prayer you need any support you know we'll do what we can for you we, we don't have anything to give you monetarily unfortunately uh but uh we'll definitely put you in our prayers and uh give you any kind of you know any kind of support we can so absolutely well um that wraps up this episode 
Uh, my name is Austin. You can find me here on Faithful Dialogues, and I will be moving Apostles Attic to a drop shipping service. So be on the lookout for that and any announcements that I might have. Um, as, because we talked about it today on the on the podcast, I do have a, a YouTube channel called More Humble Than You Official. And so if you want to go and check out a couple little videos I have, basically it was some video game videos and then uh, my cats fighting. And <laughs> then uh, I made one short, which has to do with the gospel message. And that's going to be the direction that my channel goes in. It's either going to be Christian content behind video, uh, video game visuals or just me saying some kind of um, Christian message. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on More Humble Than You or M M H T Y Official or Faithful Dialogues, and I'm with my buddy Ryan. Awesome. Yeah, my name's Ryan. Uh, you can find me over at AIIW.org. Uh, that'll cover all the different social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, X, all that. So wherever you're at, I'm hopefully at as well. So uh, give me a follow there. Give us a follow here at Faithful Dialogues. Uh, if you're watching us somewhere live, we also have it put out as a podcast that you can find at FaithfulDialogues.com. Uh, we're going to try to do some more shorts and different shorter content to boost the uh, the profile of the different channels that we have. So uh, look out for that as well. And uh, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I'll be praying for everybody that's listening to us and following us. And uh, definitely be praying for you, Austin. And I know you'll be praying for me. So God Absolutely. bless everybody. And uh, have a great week. So goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.